Okay. Oh, thank you. Oh, we got it disappeared. Okay. Go ahead. Watch. I had F hop on on Thursday. Can I can I do it just a minute? I'll do it, and then you can have it. Okay. Thank you. Um, on Thursday, uh, during your uh, holding spot. Oh. Uh, uh, Father House of Prayer in Laramie. Um, I had this this vision, and so I brought this uh, Matryoshka doll, um, just for an illustration, because that's the vision I saw. It was on one plane, and uh, <clears throat> there was uh, a lot more than this actually, but everything was on the same place and was being together, but not put together. It was not ordered, and it was not, uh, it didn't fit together. It was, a, it was together, but not assembled. So there was a gathering, but not an assembling. So it's like all the parts were there, and, and then the, the hand of the Lord came. Do you want to do it? Uh, and and started putting, this is, this is actually, I knew it was the Rock Tribe, our tribe, you know, from all the location and where we are. And the season that we're in, that God is about to do this. And at first it was, it got really, it was super slow. The first little Matryoshka doll to be put together, it was like slow. And then it got a little faster to put in the one that fit the, the next size up into the next size up, into the next size up. And the more it went, it, it went faster, and it was easier. It went, it was like, uh, you know what you, what you do with your cup? At the end, it was that fast. At the end, the Lord was putting things together. And at the end, you only had the big picture. And I felt the Lord was saying, this is the season that we're in. We're all gathered, but we're not put together. <laughs> And most people do not know that they fit in the big picture. And I, the Lord was really showing me some people and that even your own personal, like your destiny, the purpose of your life, what God has called you to do, it doesn't fit just quite right. They're, like right now, you don't know how to fit it in a bigger picture, in a bigger context. So you feel... Uh, almost schizophrenic, double-minded. No, like when you're by yourself, it seems to be clear. With you and the Lord, it seems to be clear. But how do you fit in the slightly bigger picture? You don't know. And even though the pieces are together, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, they are. They are not assembled. And I, I heard the words um, reorder and reorganize. And that was the heart. It was not change of titles or, or whatever. It was, it was a reorganization of the heart. Like It was the hand of the Lord that put the Matryoshka doll together. And not just being put together, but in right alignment. You know, you have to, you have to align it. Alignment speaks, to me, it speaks of uh, the, the, the means of grace that's in our life. Authority. In other, to put it bluntly, like how do we, how do we align our hearts with the means of grace that God has placed 
like the people who are in authority over us and that there's an alignment so it's a culture of honor if we honor the people that God has placed over us we really are honoring him and then there is a there's an alignment just in our personal life and I felt the Lord was saying this is a season of apostolic reordering and rearrangement so that people are not left as a little broken matryoshka doll right next to everybody else but not functioning and not knowing how they actually fit in the next one up. The next one, you know, like this is your personal life. The next one up might be your spouse. And the next one up might be your MKF, Mission, Missional Kingdom family. The next one up might be your local, your local church. The next one up might be your tribe. The next one up might be what God is doing on the earth right now. And the next, you, you see, and Matryoshka... Actually, the, the, the word comes from the word mother, mater, mater in, in Latin, which is the mother church. Like how, how God, this is how we fit in the governmental, the ecclesia, the governmental. It's governmental. That's why there is an alignment and a readjustment that needs to happen. Um, and normally, for real Matryoshka dolls, there's seven of them. Uh, there's seven dolls. You can look it up. It's, uh, it's really the number. It's the number of God, but it's the number of the seven mountains, the seven, com it's completion. And I really felt the Lord was saying like four, he's really doing something on the earth beyond my little story, beyond our little story. And for us to really enter into that, how do we fit into the bigger picture? There needs to be an apostolic reordering and rearranging. Doesn't mean we change titles. It doesn't mean we, you know, like we try to, to do our little uh, religious gyration. But inside our hearts, there is, there is a tweaking. There is a, a blueprinting that God wants to do. And that's what was happening. And why it was so slow at the beginning is because it was like every individual had to be slowly hand handled, you know, handled by God to be personally realigned in their personal lives so that they actually actually could fit in in the bigger picture that fits in the bigger picture and i know right now for a lot of you it doesn't mean much but trust me this is a conversation it was a crazy vision because it, it was like a tv screen and we've had this conversation a lot lately and in, in our leadership uh prayer with with rock uh leaders across the country and this was like it hit me like a ton of brick i saw people like the you you see matryoshka dolls like that i saw God was putting the real people with real names, and I'm not going to name them, but really, and he aligned them, I, I told you. Yeah. And that's, some of it has already happened this week. Yeah, it's, and so let me, this is, let me just tell you how significant this is. Because for you to function in the fullness of your identity and your destiny, you, you and I need to be intricately connected like the sinew, like the joints, like the ligaments. So that was why that was such a powerful verse for us today that you pulled out. That we're all 
that we're all called to fit together and we're not just individuals that do our life in isolation of one another. We're all called to be a part of, a, of, a, of an incremental level of family life so that we make great impact in the kingdom on the earth. And so what Mana was detecting was that God has been building pieces of the picture, but that he's bringing him together into divine alliance. And I'd like to describe these pieces a minute so that you understand what, what I'm talking about and what God is arranging right now as we speak. First of all, for those of you who are new, we're a family of churches. We're a, we're a, a family of families. So we have a church plant in El Paso, in, up in Kirkland, Washington, in, in Kansas City, in the inner city. That's an interracial church that we planted and in Laramie, and so we're a family of churches, and it's different than a denomination. In Myanmar, in Italy, in Turin, Italy, and so God is, God is gathering a group of people with a common set of values, a common vision, a common culture, and a common strategies. So that's what's going on. The last 16, 17, 18 years, different pieces of the vision have been getting built but it's almost like they're kind of they're kind of isolated in people's minds and they haven't been integrated together very well so I'm going to give you some of these pieces first of all God's been building individual people like you guys like he's been building individuals healing us mm -hmm. uh, helping us sense the father's heart you know, helping us. So he's been working with individuals, going through inner healing, deliverance, personal growth. So individual people have been getting a lot of ministering from the Lord, a lot of breakthrough. Then there's other elements that have been getting built over the years. One would be, we call FHOP, the Father's House of Prayer. We're trying to build a 24-7 international prayer model it's going to be a combination of what IHOP is in Kansas City, but also twos and threes praying. It's kind of a hodgepodge of intercession, but the goal is to fill every hour of every day of every week with prayer and worship and ministering to the Lord. Some of them will be formal prayer meetings, you know, and some of them will be informal phone calls that people pray and connect. So the Father's House of Prayer is one of those pieces that's kind of floating around out there. And most people have a hard time of thinking, how are all these, how are all these ministries and people fitting together? Because some people think, well, I really like prayer, but that's, or I really don't see the prayer piece, but I really see the individual healing piece. So these, there are these little pieces floating around. That's what the Matryoshka doll is all about. Here's another piece of the vision is DNA groups. People in twos and threes, gender-specific, connecting together and sharing life and setting faith goals and growing together. So DNA groups are a big part of the vision. Discipleship, nurture, and apostolic mission. Those are twos and threes. That's a biblical number in the scripture. Okay, here's another piece floating around out there. Missional kingdom families. Little micro-churches. And everybody goes, Lack, we like the micro-church, but... It has no relevance, to, but, the, but it, we don't see how it connects with the prayer meetings. Get my point? So to, to a lot of normal people, all these things are happening, but they feel disconnected. But in my mind, they're all very connected. Very connected. And then there's a whole group of people that love inner healing and deliverance and have become proficient at it. 
but they haven't quite integrated it with the house churches yet. But that's a very big piece. Then there's another piece called discipleship training schools, DTSs, or leadership training, or All Nations College. Why in the world would a little church planning movement like ours start an accredited college? Like, what's the point of that? Like, to some people, that feels goofy. Like, why would you ever do that? But we've seen that God's raising up tribes that are going to the nations, that if you're going to do generational transfer, you want to have a context to train young people in the presence of the Lord where they come out with an accredited degree that's got cultural trans, you know, it's got cultural value in it. It's got cultural currency to have a degree. So they learn how to live in the presence of God. They learn how to do family life. They learn how to get a competent a skill. And they come out with a degree for becoming more like Jesus. So what a, what a crazy thought. Here's another one. Com community development and compassion. Social action. The poor. And doing sustainable community. Why in the world would you do gardens in the inner city? Or tilapia farms? Or goats? Or, or chickens? How does that fit with inner healing? How does that fit with missional kingdom families? So we have a whole other organization called Rock Solid Urban Impact that got birthed out of the inner city to solve real problems for the poor. But you think, what in the world is that all about? How does that fit? This is what he's talking about. This is what Mono's talking about. So Mono has witnessed all these things rolling out over the years. And they're kind of, they're kind of floating around on the floor, but we're not done. Why the international mission piece? Why are we in Myanmar? Why are we in Italy? Why do we plan to go to the nations? So some people that are more pastorally oriented, they look at our little forming church of 20, 30 people, and they go, you know, listen, there's a lot of needs just in this group to prepare marriages and to, and to help make disciples. Why would you ever in light of the needs of this local new church, ever think about going to the nations. You see my point? So there's an inner conversation that needs ordered, that needs divine order brought to bear on each person. And so that the whole picture is clear and then how everyone sees how they fit in that vision, in that picture, in that unfolding story, that epic meta-narrative that's going on right now. There is a huge story that God's doing in the earth as we speak. He is changing the understanding and expression of Christianity in our generation. That's what God's doing. He's recovering five-fold ministry gifts of apostles and prophets and shepherds and teachers and evangelists. He's recovering the church's call to go to the nations and make disciples and to disciple the nations and to infiltrate the marketplace. God is radically changing the church. But the way he's going to do that is through tribes, through translocal families. So interestingly enough, Mono, on this orientation we did this morning before church, I have seven spheres of relational connection on the sheet right here. And I did not know the Matriska doll had seven. And so there are seven relational spheres that you, we all need to tie into in order to be whole as a person. I'm going to give you those right now. Okay, very quickly. Here's the seven spheres. First of all, our relationship with the Trinity. That's sphere number one. 
our relationship with the Father through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. So you're reaching, you're seeing the Father's heart. And most people have not become whole because they have seen Jesus as the bride but not the Father. And so we need to see all members of the Trinity and come into relationship with all members of the Trinity. That's, that's sphere number one. Sphere number two is twos and threes. That's a very holy number in Scripture. Two and three people coming together. Another holy number is ten or twelve. That's Moses had ten, Jesus had twelve. But that's a holy number. Even the military knows that. Ten is a platoon. So that's, that's third level connection. Fourth level connection is a local congregation where microchurches are interconnected. There should never be a standalone house church that isn't connected to a local congregation. So that's, the, that's fourth level. Fifth, uh, fifth level is a tribe little t. And for us, that's the rock tribe. A tribe little t means like it would be like the vineyard. Okay, so it's a, it's a family of churches different than a denomination. It's connected in mind and heart and affection. So that's tribe little t. You see that in the book of, a book of Acts in the New Testament. Paul the Apostle with Silas and Aquila and Priscilla and Timothy, they, they formed an, an international family of affection. And that's a tribe little t. The next level is what we call our tribe middle t. And that's all the groups that have our core values and vision. Like it would be like Global Awakening or Global Legacy or Res Fellowship. Or, you know, there's a lot of groups that are fighting for revival, fighting for the restoring of the church, fighting to see culture transformed. Okay? Um, that's tribe middle T. That's what we call it. And then finally, tribe big T. That's the whole body of Christ. And we need to see ourselves connected to the Orthodox Church, the Methodists, the Baptists, the Lutherans, the Episcopalians, the Presbyterians, the... We've got to understand we're part of the larger body of Christ and not, and not be elite or disconnected from the whole church. So those are seven spheres of connectedness in the church. And so sometimes people land at the two and three level, but they don't see how it fits the tribe. Or they'll land at the microchurch level, and they'll not understand how it fits with the congregation. Or most people get congregation, but they don't get tribe. They don't see why it's important to be connected to Hispanics in Mexico and inner city black people, it's like, why, when we've got our little church in, you know, Colorado, why would we need inner city black people to be a part of our life? Well, guess what? You desperately need black people in your life. You need Hispanics. We need the international community. We need Asians, Chinese. We need to be an international family. We're made for the nations. Every person is. We're made to be an international family. So what's going on right now is God is weaving these components together into one big picture of excellence, of kingdom excellence. And he's going to show each person how they fit into the, the storyline of heaven. Like, Mono has a, a, a clarity, and Lori have a clarity about who they are in the spirit. They have a clarity about how they fit in this tribe. And it's not an elite thing like the rock tribe is everything. It's simply we know where we're fitting in the larger picture of things. And we are called to be a forerunner or a prototype of what a translocal spiritual family looks like. Because this is where God's taking the church as a whole. He's transitioning the church out of sterile formal programs 
and into spiritual family where people can become sons of God, daughters of God, and become whole in the setting of an unconditionally loving family. So God is transitioning the church. He's restoring the church. So there's three great themes going on right now. Rest, uh, revival, which is a big blanket word for a lot of Jesus. There is the restoring of the church to family and putting it into divine order in tribes and tribes of tribes. And then there's this thing called transforming culture. God is bringing the kingdom on earth. Can we close those windows? It's blowing down over here. No. Oh, that's the skylight? Heaven is breaking out on you, Ann. If you need to sit to another place. Okay. I'm feeling like an angel is appearing on you or something over there. Like you're being lit up over there. That blonde hair of yours is like radiating light. So as God moves a group of people, here's where your word is so important. The breath of heaven has to come down on these people to where they are jacuzziing in the manifest presence of the Lord. The breath of God has to breathe on this family, on this tribe, and animate the people. And so what we want to do is be a people of encounter, a people of presence. Now that doesn't discount the need for intentional relationships that make us whole. Transparent, uh, transparent relationships where we can share our hearts openly and not be judged, where we're in the safest place on earth, that's a good family. We cannot become whole outside of unconditional affection and love, where, the God, where grace is emitted off the people, and it's very, very deliberate. So, you know, some groups are good at revival and not so good at relationships. Some good people are good at relationships, not so good at presence. Some people are good at relationships and presence, but they're not necessarily transforming culture in the marketplace or in media or the arts or in the seven mountains, as we call it. But we have been called to be all three connected together. Some will have a, a proficiency or a competency in the area of the transforming of culture. You know, and they'll be called to go run for public office or they'll be called to build a kingdom business. And we have people like that in Laramie. They're called to the marketplace. They're called to business. Now, they're still in an MKF. They're still in a house church. They're still in twos and threes, which fuels their life. But a primary setting for them to bring the kingdom is in the companies that they run. And we, we're, we're excited about that because there's no way we're going to reach a city like Laramie or like northern Colorado apart from the marketplace. God's very interested in business. So what's going to happen is prophetically God is weaving this story together and he's making it um, clear to people. So it's not disjointed. It's not a bunch of pieces just floating around out there, like the college is one piece, inner healing is another piece, F-hop is another piece, celebration on Sunday. And people, people have looked at me like I'm a little bit mental or ADHD over the last 20 years. And it's one of my painful, my, my suffering packages, as I shared on the phone with our prayer team yesterday, 
is that I've been called to be an entrepreneurial uh, vision, faith vision leader who raises up these components um, and I've been able to see the architectural blueprint in my mind of how they all fit together. But most people don't have that, that grace on their life to see this big epic story and understand how these elements fit together. And I married a very normal, wonderful person, Janet, and Janet was raised on a farm in Nebraska. She's a very down-to-earth person. She's not into change at all. She loves to get one job and do it really well. Like, she likes to do QuickBooks. Now, don't ask Janet. Once she gets QuickBooks and one company, she wants to do one job well over and over again. So Janet has an aversion to change. That's not a bad thing. Would you agree with that, Janet? She marries a change agent. She, so Janet likes to... And it changed her life. And it <laughs> changed her life forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we've had to learn how to live in divine tension because divine tension is how you make music. It's how you make harmony. It's, it's how you, you can't play a guitar without the string being tight. So divine tension is how life works. And there's a tension between an apostle and a pastor. There's a tension between these five ministries. There's a, there's a divine tension in our tribe, even as we speak. But one of the things that the Lord's going to do is bring us into harmony. And he's going to help people see how every person fits into the story. And not one person is more important or less important than the other ones. Everyone is vital. Every person is significant. In fact, we couldn't do it without every person, without every gift, without every contribution. But what we can't do is look at one thing and say that doesn't matter because the only thing that matters is what I'm interested in. Now that wouldn't be cool. But we, at the same time, not everyone's going to be involved in the college. Not everyone's going to be involved in FHOP in the way that we'd like them to be. Everybody's going to have their role and their place in this tribe. And that's great. That's beautiful. But what we want everyone to do is celebrate the integration of all these things together to understand why they're important. Yeah. One thing, another part that, that was very key is how <clears throat> it is the apostolic mandate of God. So somebody has an apostolic grace on their life, like Bill Johnson, which is a big picture, or Tim, or there's many others with apostolic. And the way that they build... I can see what Noah was doing. Um, you see that he, he took some pieces and then he put it in the wrong one. And so he had to undo it and then put it aside and then redo it. So You're for talking Mo about little Noah baby. No, little Noah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With, the, with the little Matryoshka dolls. And so this is what happens in the way the apostolic uh, builds or progress or uh, fo you're following... You know, the, the best of what you know right now doesn't mean that's what it's going to land in 20 years from now. But you ha there's a deconstruction, so deconstruction before reconstruction. Mm -hmm. And most people, the undiscerning eye who looks at that from a pastoral, that was a mistake. That's not a mistake. That's the way the apostolic is building. And so you try to put things together and you don't have it quite right, but the voice is still guiding you. And so you deconstruct what you just did. So if, if, we, don't, if we don't appreciate what God is doing with human agency, and it's, hum it's not perfect, 
But it's not a mistake. Like you do something and then you undo it to do it differently. See, like if it hits you as a mistake, then I think it's, it's really time for, for us to ask the Lord to give us a grace for the apostolic so that we can, uh, we can actually fit well with how it's going to go. Because it is not this A, B, C, D. It's like you got the alphabet soup. Mm-hmm. That's what they have. Literally in their hearts. As I saw that, like all this, you have the alphabet mm-hmm. soup, but it's not in order. Mm-hmm. And what, so the heart and the call of the ap- apostolic is the blueprinting, putting everybody where they belong and make things fit together so it's harmonious. And it is an alphabet, it's not just chaos random. Hey, you just F, yeah, you put it wherever you want in there. No, you have to remove it from where it doesn't belong. You have to put it where it belongs. So that the whole deconstruction before Mm -hmm. reconstruction, and that we don't see it as, oh, you just got another bright idea. Because you can can burp three times a day and have five new ideas because it's Mm -hmm. you. Yeah, we it's not a mistake. You know, right. and it's a reordering. And so understanding what God is doing and how he's doing it, he's doing it through skin. That is yeah. people, imperfect people, but mm-hmm. it's still people. And that's how that's how we receive grace. If we if we put our filter, a different filter from what's happening, we won't benefit from what God is is doing. And we won't fit because we won't allow the deconstruction. And then the reconstruction in the proper order. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll add to that. But go ahead. I want to hear you because you. Well, that's that's what I wanted to focus on too. In there is if you look at that matryoshka doll, and there's five pieces of it, right? So if we put the first two little ones together, and then the fourth one together, and the fifth one together, you try to put them back in order because all the components are completely and appropriately right. And sometimes there's a focus on one component. Well put. At that particular moment that then has to be opened to allow the proper ordering to come. And, and let me give you a practical example. We're in the inner city together mm-hmm. in Kansas City. And we're at the beginning of the beginning of the forming of a tribe. And by the way, there's no book out there on how to be an apostle. Mm-hmm. Like, just so you know, there's no book on how to, be, to, how to raise up a church planting movement that goes to the nations. Lesson one. Mm-hmm. Then, then how to gather people and plant churches, lesson two. There is literally no book out there. There's no script. There's hardly any apostolic fathers that exist when I started because I was birthed in the Jesus movement in revival. There, weren't a bunch, there wasn't five-fold ministry discussed hardly at all. None of this was laid out. So we're at the beginning of the beginning of God changing Christendom in our generation. So there's no, there's no script. There's no, there's no science manual on how to put it together, when to invent and when to put that piece into that piece. All I could see is a whole bunch of very important elements that needed to be put together, and some of it included land and agriculture and economics. And, and to church people, that, me- that was ridiculous because they're used to seeing the church as a bunch of meetings and programs we go to. I mean, there's no room for gardens and businesses back in the 70s and 80s but I went to Africa and we helped build sustainable community and we saw how powerful it was to changing culture. So I had all these things in my spirit and I knew they were from God. 
So I get in the middle of this inner city with a small group of people with no money, and we're, we're, we're rehabbing houses. People are being drawn into the neighborhood, and I get this burden of, we've got to, we've got to start microchurches. Okay, that sounds great. And we're starting on how to do microchurches. And everybody's working away at these things and trying to be a house church and trying to be family. We've got to be a family. Okay. Next thing you come along and go, we've got to have gardens. We need gardens. And everybody's going like, what do you mean we need gardens? What? what? I thought the vision was microchurches. Yes. And it's also gardens. Now, it's, it makes me look like an idiot. My, my credibility started dropping the minute I started talking about sustainable community because it made it look like I was ADHD or that I was changing the vision. And I'm saying, no, the vision is to have a holistic tribe of people mm-hmm. that, that can go to the nations and effectively change cities. And then I said, and now we've got to add, you know, night and day prayer. What do you mean we've got to add night and day prayer? I thought the vision was chickens and goats and gardens and um, it's like, no, we're gonna, we need to pray more mm-hmm. and unleash the prophetic. You see how this rolled out? And then sometimes we'd have to slow up on one thing to increase another thing mm-hmm. because we only had so much money and people. So it made it look like we were undoing or making missteps. Mm-hmm. So every time we were kind of moving our way up the mountain, by the way, have you ever rock climbed? If you've ever rock climbed or tried to climb up a mountain, you'll go up one place and you'll hit an impasse. And you'll hit that impasse and you'll have to go backwards a little bit and cross over in order to go up. You have to cross over to go up. Well, that's that's what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. What looks like a misstep isn't really a misstep. It's just we keep following the Lord, but it's not a straight line to get to where you're going at all. But you know what? Your life hasn't been a straight line to get to where you're going. Not one of you has walked a straight line. And all of you think maybe I had a misstep when I resigned from this job and went up to that job and I blew the whole thing. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You did what the best you had and the best you knew to do to follow the Lord. And he needed you to go through that perceived failure, which it isn't failure. You fail forward. You, you, you learn by trial and error and by following the Lord. That's what they're saying. So the per- person who's the architect or the apostolic vision leader of something like this, who sees the bigger picture, the, to f- the fight for credibility and the fight for trust is horrific. Because most people live in where they are today, right here and now, how do I survive today? Like, how do I make it today and pay my bills today? (laughs) Like, how do I just stay mentally healthy today? And I'm talking about 30 years from now and a next generation and generational transfer and trying to put these components in place that will matter for people today, but but their today is going to be 10 years from now. Now, that's a weird life. And imagine being Janet. And I'm saying, Janet, we need to pour all of our money into a missions base in the inner city because it's going to be a hub that's going to help equip people for the nations. And she goes, really? Seriously? Let's go buy a convent in the inner city because God will be in that. 
And let's go buy a Catholic church building in the inner city. And let's go buy a parochial school in the inner city. I mean, let's go buy gardens. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And Janet, God bless her, she can't see any of this. She's groping along like a blind person tapping a, tapping a stick. And that's how she's going to get amazing rewards in heaven because she's had to trust this vision that came from God. Now, fortunately, it's rolling out better and better and we're looking smarter and smarter, but it's two, 20 years down the road. And one day, people are going to come into here and they're not even going to blink an eye. Of course, the college was, you know, the college is brilliant and everything's great and sustainable community and microchurches. It all makes sense and they're not even going to have to pay the price of early adopters. But you are paying a price that most people aren't going to have to pay because in 10 years, this will be normal. I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. There will be many tribes Many translocal spiritual families of affection. And all of them will have their own college. All of them will be involved in business and sustainable community. They'll all have revival, restoration, transformation. And their competency level will be great. You know why? Because you made all the mistakes on their behalf. You had, the pro you had to go learn inner healing and deliverance before they did. And now they walk into it and go, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. Of course, they'll have their own learning curve on the next phase of what God's doing. But... But they'll have a visual. But those weren't mistakes. Those weren't mistakes. But a, there's no greater thing you can give people than a prototype, an example. So all of this hit me very heavily, even more so when we went to Bethel. We just got back from Bethel. And, and um, I followed the story of Bill Johnson. I followed the Bethel story. I know the, the good, the bad, and the ugly very clearly. I'm, a, I'm, an, anal I'm an analytical person, okay? I'm a... Church scientists, right? I'm a, like a church doctor. So I can pick up, I can see where something's off or something's on. I mean, that's just, it's like a really good old country doctor. They could actually smell you and tell you whether you got a cold or not. Good doctors are unbelievable how quickly they can diagnose a problem. Have you ever been around one of those kind of people? It's freaky. Uh, just so you know, I mean... Never mind, just trust me for that. Good, good, good family doctors can see things on you quickly. because And so I'm built like that. So I follow the story. But on the other hand, there's a lot of great things going on there. They're really fighting for revival. That's obvious. They're trying to recover the relational piece, getting people in groups. They're trying to do that. They're backing into it a little bit. And then they're trying to infiltrate and affect the city. They just wrote a half a million dollar check to pay for the police for more, you know, for shortfall, shortfall of the, the budget. And they're, they're running the civic center and they're trying to infiltrate the city in practical ways. So Josh and Amy, this young couple in their 30s that we've been training, trying to talk to them about revival, restoration and transformation, trying to paint a picture for them. And I thought they got it pretty clear when in reality it was only through their lens and they get to see Bethel. And they get to see, you know, 10,000 people in a town of less than 100,000. And they see these elements flowing together. The healing rooms, the, the, the relational piece that they're trying to put together, and some of these other elements. And they go, oh, that's what you mean by an apostolic hub. That's what you mean by an international kingdom resource center that equips people to go to the nations. Oh, that's what you mean. And I go, yeah. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. 
And it was like the aha went. And suddenly now they could see their piece, their piece in the equation, in the puzzle. Again, doesn't mean it's perfect, a perfect church, but it's pretty impressive in one sense. And so it became a prototype or a visual aid for where we're going. So we're now at a time and a season of apostolic assembly and where God is gathering people into divine order. And people are beginning to hear that sound of heaven and they're going, okay, we now know in light of that bigger meta-narrative how we fit in that story. And, you know, we were just talking about that this morning in our orientation time. And I was, I was describing, hey, one of the biggest building blocks in our vision is missional kingdom families. It's groups of ten. And, and one of the greatest needs we're going to have is shepherds, mm -hmm. is pastors. The worst thing, I mean, that you can do is expose people's raw, is expose people to raw apostles. I mean, apostles raw to an everyday person, that's like a recipe for disaster. It's too much firepower, it's too weird, it's too hell, it's too much, it's too much. And you need transformers. You need people that will transform down that experience and help people walk out those, that vision in day-to-day -day life and help secure people and, and stabilize people under pressure. Mm -hmm. You never want a direct, straight hit from apostles and prophets on the pastors over a long period of time. They'll keep blowing them up all the time because apostles and prophets are always change agents and pastors are always... Change protectors. They're stabilizers. They're nurturing people. They help protect the stability of people. So pastors comfort the afflicted. And prophets afflict the comfortable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we need them both. Mm -hmm. Because that's divine tension. That's what makes beautiful music. Mm -hmm. And so God has got every one of you very, very much in, in mind to be a significant part of a meta-narrative, a, me a great story that is going to the earth, that's creating a picture of beauty. And God is tribal. He's a tribal God. Old Testament tribes, New Testament tribes. God's tribal in the sense that he's family. He's a father and a son. He builds his kingdom relationally and family. So people are going to be looking for their people. They're going to be looking for their family. But that family has to be a full-service family. It can't just talk about prayer meetings. It's got to be able to talk about business. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, how does that fit? Well, because people have to make a living. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, And we're a kingdom people. We're not a religious system. We're not just a religious people. We're a kingdom people. And God's bringing His kingdom on the earth holistically, through family. So everything is important. We should be able to talk very intelligently about our physical bodies, our marriages, our sexuality, our finances, our occupations. All of this is kingdom. Mm -hmm. And a real healthy tribe, they're not scared of one topic because every topic matters to the Lord. That's where God's going. He's moving this out of churchianity and into kingdom reality. So kingdom people are going to talk about chickens and eggs and goats and how to raise kids and how to, you know, and how to how to be married and how to do life and how to buy houses, you know, and how to make investments. 
and how to raise money and how to get wealth and how to, how to accrue wealth. All of these are critical topics. That's why we're not afraid to have a college. Because we believe in generational transfer. And there's going to be many 18, 19, 20-year-olds that are confused and conflicted. And we don't want to just put them in an eight-month bubble of, of a ministry experience. We want to put them in a four-year way of life where they work part-time. They have to be around real-life people. <laughs> and they don't just go to college bubble. They have to work through and be in relationship with people because their education would be imbalanced. It'll be a classroom moment and no relational skill, no life skill. We're not going to, and so we're having a church-based education that's accredited. Okay, that makes sense if you're a kingdom person. It makes no sense if all you see is we need micro churches, you know, that reach the lost. So, that being said, this is a day that we're crossing a line in the Holy Spirit. Even in this little church plant in northern Colorado, mm -hmm. this is a day because it's a tribal word. Now, you may not be called to this rock tribe. That's fine, okay? At least you're understanding what the conversation of the Trinity is because this is what the Trinity is talking about. The Trinity is talking about translocal families of affection. Translocal means more than one location. International families of affection. Not networks, okay, not denominations. Now, I think a denomination could be a family if they change their culture. I think a network could be a family if it changes its culture and its government, okay? But I, don't, but I think that's where God's going. So somebody's going to have to do the hard work of getting in relationships and struggling with everyday people that have a high dork factor, that have a high humanity level on them and they're going to have to good news those people and grace them forward in life and not judge them. That's why we've hit that topic of grace so heavily and mercy. So are you tracking with the story? You guys are being invited just as I was into an epic story of kingdom and how to bring the kingdom on earth and every person is valuable and important. So I want to pray right now for this little Matryoshka doll, what do we call it? Matryoshka. What? Matryoshka. <laughs> Stop speaking French. Matryoshka doll. He is from France. Matryoshka doll. Okay, so, <laughs> so can I just pray? And I know some of you got to go, and don't don't hesitate to take off if you got to go. But listen, um, we would like to go on a date with you guys sometime soon. No. Don't worry. You don't worry. It's going to happen right in a minute here. Tim, could I, could I interject something? Yeah, totally. I just want to, uh, first of all, your, your vision is awesome in every way, and I just want to confirm it. Wait, could you say that a little louder? <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Somebody believes it in this room. <laughs> Janet, listen to this man. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've had a long journey. And when I was in New Age, I, I had a vision for a self-sufficient community of believers. And so it goes into all kinds. I mean, God takes you through funny paths. but So I just want to confirm it But for what that's worth. Um, but, I, but I have one piece, and I'm sure that this is something you've considered and 
you just didn't mention. Oh, this I'm sure time. we have. <laughs> but and and if so, I just then I'm just underlining it. If not, well, great. Uh, I really think this is a piece of it. The church is rampant with uh, authoritarian, top-down controllers who run these these uh, enclaves. These whether you say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> I do, I do. Um, I just think it's a wrong thing. And when I was thinking this as you spoke, I, I, I'm confident God was saying, I'm not a controller. Correct. And, he, and he's not, and he wasn't, and Jesus wasn't. And so it is such a huge piece that, and I sense from just what I've heard you and I've listened to you online and so on, and some, some, a short conversation that we had, I sense you're not a controller. I pray to God you're not, and pray to God that you never will be, and that, and that others don't come up who are controllers, because it's a very mm -hmm. difficult yeah. uh, thing to, to uh, yeah, break or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that... What I'm, what I'm hearing and what I heard when you were speaking um, is that it has to come organically from, from well, like Paul, Paul talks about, that everybody's a piece of the, yep. of the body and, yep. and, you, and to be happy with where you are. Yes. You know? And that, that's one thing I can say at my age, maybe my only, if you call it an accomplishment, I'm really like... I don't have any ambition whatsoever. <laughs> you know, God's humbled me to the point that I don't think I'm really, you know. Um, but anyway, um, if, it, if it's organically done to where all the people that carry something, you know, that yeah. carry different, different aspects, everybody does, everybody carries something, what you brought today, it has to happen that way. Yep rather than top-down and uh, through control. Yeah. Yeah, we get up the upside-down triangle all the time. That, that is a powerful word. That is exactly correct. We talk about uh, the culture of submitting to the Christ in each other. And it's a culture of humility where we submit to the Christ in each other. And so authoritarian government is not God's ways. Um, so we... Authoritarian meaning dominating, controlling, telling people what to do, hierarchical. Um, there, there's, a cra there's a crazy balance of that. There's, there are people that carry an authority from the Lord, but the higher the authority, the less privilege. The more you suffer, the more you're a servant. So, um, yeah, you want to respond? Well, sometimes I think it's hard for, uh, for Tim to say what he is because that's Tim, so I'm just going to say. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this is awkward. Because <laughs> I've worked with Tim for three years now, so we've had our ups and downs. and <laughs> More ups than downs. Right? And, um, but I've found that, he's, that controlling is not what he is at at all, that he is very trustworthy, that his vision is from God, and that... Um, he has. He and Janet have given their whole lives for this vision. They don't have any other motive other 
than just to serve God and do what God's told them to do. And so I think that sometimes is a hard thing for him to say because that could also be self-promoting. But I'm choosing to promote him and honor him. So, And I guess I have one more thing to say, too. <laughs> as long as I've got the recorder. <laughs> so... Um, I real also God showed me that Tim is that Tim's ability to to see things, to have vision is a gift, and for me I don't have that gift. And so when I first started working with him, I thought he was crazy. So, bless you, Janet. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I even told him when I first started working with him, I said I don't believe anything that you say. I don't believe anything's going to happen. <laughs> and um, he just you know patiently really started talking to me about how babies get born, you know, you know, that little sperm and that egg meat, and you don't see anything for a long time, and you don't even see that the woman is pregnant for a long time before you actually see the vision. So I guess what I want to say is that I've learned to trust him. I've learned to trust that he does have vision and that it is from God. And I, I would just encourage all of us to see him as a gift and to trust him because we don't, at least I don't, a lot of us don't have that gift of vision, and but we need it because if we don't have it, one thing that he does is his vision actually builds, like the word I got was containers for our destiny to be walked out in that vision. If he can't speak out the vision, if he can't have it uh, even just have the context of it or the framework of it, then the very the very destiny of my life cannot be walked out, and the very destiny of every single person in this in this room, are, they it can't be walked out without that vision. So it's like really important, and I think one thing that um, that Tim has shared is that it's been hard. It's been a hard for him to be a pioneer and to constantly not be trusted by people and constantly have his motives be questioned. And and I'll say I was one of those people when I first met him, and I'm not anymore. So I'm just here to say that I'm his biggest fan. Oh. He's my hero, and Janet is my hero, and so that's all I want to say. Oh, that's unbelievable. That's That's incredible. Thank you, Sue. Um, I don't even know where to go with that. That's just like, wow. It's, a, it's really what she described, is a, to put it in scripture. Is, uh, it's, uh, you know, we know the gift of the Spirit, and they are for the whole body of Christ, right? Individually, the gift of the Spirit, their description of what the Spirit does when He comes and take residence in you. So that's the gift of the Spirit. But the gift of Christ... Ephesians 4, that's the fivefold ministry. The person is the gift to the church, to the ecclesia, the reigning, ruling, governmental body of Christ on the earth. Mm -hmm. The person is the gift. So the apostle is the gift. The prophet is the gift. And without it, we get stuck. Because if we don't have, especially like the things that are the most opposite to our own personal disposition, then we get stuck. And the way that God gives us is by putting us with someone who is not like us. And so if you come with your glass and you're, you're hoping to get, 
you know, uh, orange juice, but they only can dispense Coke because that's who they are. You're going to be disappointed if, if you don't realize that you're coming and this is what you're going to get. And I, I, I think it's very key for us to realize that without each other, especially with that the, the, the people are the gift, the fivefold ministry. The, and the, the, in the government, you know, like, it's like, it's a fathering. So the Lord is moving us from denominationalism mm -hmm. to fathering, to fathers, um, apostles, prophets, teachers, like equippers, people who resource others. Uh, and I, I think it's really cool that we, we all need to hear it from the Lord for ourselves. Like Sue, Sue's testimony is, you know, God had to do a journey with her. And we all fit in that category. And without it, we don't realize that they're actually creating a platform for you to be um, released in the fullness of God's destiny for you. Mm -hmm. I feel like one of the challenges from the Lord that he's asking us in this season too is being willing to not be offended when things get readjusted and realigned. Um, and asking the Lord for that in this season of the ability and the grace to see outside of our little, our little section, because that's when there's a connectedness in the body is when we come to that realization of how it works together. Mm -hmm. And there's the ability from the Lord to impart that. I mean, we've watched it. I mean, gosh, Janet, I mean, she gets it. She can lay out the vision and she will run with it because she's seen it. Mm -hmm. Might not have been the primary thing you got given, right. but, and that's not your primary gift mix, but God has gifted you with that ability to that, you know, yeah. if you weren't around for a while, it wouldn't stop no, because that has been imparted no. to you by the spirit. And there's that for all of us of that. And part of that is from being around the apostolic because we connect and we're connected into that well. Right. And so we need that connection in order to run as a family and to mm -hmm. do it as a family. And, but I think there's that ability of all of us to see how different parts of the family fit together at different times. You grow into it. Mm. You know, thankfully my parents put up with teenagers, Yay. you know, cause teenagers grow up and I'm raising for a 30 year old at the moment, not the 16 year old that's in my house, mm -hmm. but it's that whole, that grace of growing into it and knowing that they're going to get the vision. They're going to get it. Yeah. And I just need to be patient yeah. and allow the spirit to do the work because mm. it's going to happen. And but being willing at the same time not to be offended if people aren't getting it. It's so good. And the culture does lend itself to bringing many sons to glory. And if you control, you dwarf people's development. That's why it's such an anti-Christ spirit. So let's stand up, you guys. We're going to stand up and close in prayer. And we release you guys, except don't... <laughs> Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray that you bring divine order and alliance to every person in the Rock Tribe and into every person in the body of Christ. Help every person find their family, find their people, 
find their destiny and their calling and help them to grow as sons and daughters of God in a way that is magnificent and profound and make turn them into more than they ever thought or imagined themselves to be. Lord, I pray for the grace now of bringing this family, this tribe together, and then blow wind of God, blow wind of God, and enable us to walk in the culture and the atmosphere of presence. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.